Hi everyone, it's Sarah from Tribal here. I'm sorry we've not been active with our weekly LinkedIn lives and podcasts. In light of everything that's happening in Europe right now, we decided to take a temporary break from our live sessions. We've heard your feedback and we understand that you find these sessions valuable. So we're posting some old episodes which have insights that are still relevant for today. We hope you find them interesting and we'll be back with some fresh content very soon. Michael, welcome to uh, my little campfire chat. Um, so it's good to speak to you again. We um, so we used to work together, didn't we? That's how yes, we, we know did. Each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we recently bumped. I say recently. I'm trying to remember when that was. Was it last year or the year before? Because it's it was blurring. a year. It was a year September. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's not too bad then. Because for a minute yeah. there, I thought it was two years ago. So we bumped <laughs> into each other at an event roadshow, didn't we, at Marketo? Right. And mm-hmm. um, and it made me realise when I saw you doing the keynote at that event, I just thought, hold on a minute, we're on a similar mission here, mm-hmm. and all about exploring between employee happiness which ultimately turns into advocacy, which ultimately stimulates growth and profit. So when, when did you have your aha moments? Was it when we were working at SAP or since then? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I felt, I felt like we were comrades in arms, so to speak, back at SAP. You were focused, I think, on the social side, and I was really a little bit more on the content side. But really, the same objectives, I think it was, uh, well, first of all, I saw you as a change agent, which I think we, we all need to be yeah. um, in order to get, you know, content out into the social world. Um, I, you know, I, I saw you as, as someone that supported my own objective of trying to, to turn the tide at SAP to be a little bit more uh, modern in its approach, more conversational uh, in, in its marketing. Um, and so I, th- I think the, the two of us were both um, aligned on those objectives back then. And then I think we just, you know, we both went off on our own and have been <laughs> attacking this mission from slightly, you know, different lenses, but, uh, but all on the same objectives. It is. And, and actually, this is where, you know, for me, it's all coming together now, isn't it? It's one point, mm-hmm. well, one point is about having your employee voice on social, but actually authentic, credible content. This is where it ties together. You know, you get, I've seen it so much. I was doing some research the other day, you know, so many blogs that have just been churned out. You can tell it's just ticking a box and mm-hmm. keeping to a calendar um, rather than authentic content. So I just, yeah. And I think this is where our worlds are colliding. So that's right. That's right. Um, now, mean people suck. I saw on Facebook the other day that your new website went up running and your new book. And uh, mm-hmm. I love the cover. Very Thanks. striking. <laughs> and actually, I think the title's pretty striking. Mean people suck. Uh, pretty, pretty much sums it all up, really. So I might be putting you on the spot here, Michael, but what made you choose that title? Is there an experience in your career you want to tell us about or, or was it something else? <laughs> well, there's this one time with this woman, Sarah, I was on a call with. Uh, no, no. Well, I mean, the, you know, I think the first thing is in, in any good story, I think you want to uh, you want to pull people into something that we can all agree on. And I think we can all agree that mean people really do suck. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the epiphany came to me when I was, I was, I've been writing this book for really almost three years and I didn't really know what the hook was going to be, what the, not just the title, but really the core the heart of the book. And I was struggling. It was a book about culture and a book about leadership and not even really a book about marketing, but, but at the core of it, I was trying to answer the question, first of all, why are, why are so many 
people, I mean, many of our former colleagues uh, in marketing, I, I, I think, are miserable. You know, when I find, when I talk to folks that are still on the corporate side, um, not, a, not, not very many of them are happy. Um, okay. But then I started, you know, I talking to HR people, like, how are you addressing the problem of employee engagement? And I started talking to salespeople and, and I, you know, and then I, you see the Gallup numbers and, and it's like, most people are just really unhappy in their jobs and they point their finger at, Hey, my company sucks or my boss sucks or my customers are a pain in the butt. And, and so, you know, it led me to this sort of aha moment, really the light bulb moment came for me early this year when I realized that we can all agree that mean people suck, but it's a, it's a, a counterintuitive notion. It's an almost ironic because I think we can all agree that they do. But what I try to do in the book is to say that, you know what, we, we have to stop pointing the finger and we have to start taking accountability mm. for, for, um, for, you know, being uh, happy and impactful in our careers. And that's really, I think, why we start talking about empathy and taking accountability and, and starting that accountability by just really looking to see how we can help others in our careers. And that's, you know, really what the book is all about. Love it. Yeah. And actually, so you touched on that Gallup research, because I thought when you said, you know, not many people are happy in their jobs. And I remember the Gallup study. So I went off and found the latest research. And then I saw you put it on your website as well. So I didn't <laughs> need to go and do that. Um, but <laughs> it said, you know, only a third of US workers are engaged and two thirds are not engaged, which, which basically means they're not emotionally connected to their job. Now, what's going on there then? What, why would that be? Well, and it, I think that there's more data that makes the picture even worse, you know, and so th that's, the, that's the high level. Um, when you go one step lower, you see number, uh, the number of CEOs that think that their organizations have uh, empathy for their customers and employees is 90%, and the number of, of employees that agree is less than half. Wow. And so it's not only our employees disengaged, they're, they, the leaders of organizations don't see it. They don't see this problem. Um, I think 77% of workers said that they don't feel that their jobs have any meaning or impact. Oh, um, so and awful. so it's, it gets really sad when you start yeah. to look at, at the data. And so, you know, part of it I think is, you know, I use, I use, and you've, you've seen me do this on stage. I use a picture of my kids to talk about how social mobile digital technologies have, are, were supposed to have brought us together. But instead I think they have they have brought us together in connections um, from a technical perspective, but I think they've also allowed us to be a little bit more mean. Mm. Um, they've allowed you know we can we can break up with our girlfriend on Facebook, you know, yeah. and and you know something that you couldn't do 20 years ago. And I use the you know my young children, 15, 11, uh, 15, 13, 11, and seven to talk about how some of the social platforms are the same age. They're still relatively young. Yeah. And so I think the, the first thing that we have to realize is that social is really disrupting the world of work. And it's, it's causing consumers to stop caring about brands. It's causing um, uh, uh, you know, residents, citizens of countries to stop caring about politicians. It's yeah. causing employees to really start disengaging from their employers. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, 17%, almost, you know, one in five employees are actively disengaged. And that means that they're sabotaging the yeah. company's objectives. And so, you know, so I think one of the reasons I wrote the book was to try to show leaders that this is a problem that needs to be solved. There's a crisis of employee engagement. Yeah. And, and it's really because of a lack of empathy from, you know, really from the top and from the corporate cultures themselves. Yeah. And you see, I think that where this connects to the advocacy part, which is what, you know, we do, it's, you, I think that everybody sort of launched these advocacy tools expecting their employees 
companies to suddenly go, yeah, we're, we're going to share everything. We love this company. And I think they've come to realize that it's like, oh, dear, um, we thought people loved the company, but actually employees don't want to get involved. Why is that? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, well, do you know what? First of all, you've got to, you've got to help them find their why. I think, you know, what's their mm-hmm. purpose and how does it link to the, the company purpose? And you've got to go employee first. You can't just... Um, expect your employees to love it as much as you do and mm-hmm. and I, I probably this is uncovering a deeper issue and i think if your employees aren't engaged you know you've got you've got bigger problems than sort of optimizing your advocacy program you've got to go back to the drawing boards in many ways mm-hmm. so yeah yeah no i it is sad though isn't it if you've actually got folks you know actively sabotaging um but you know and they, they it's a horrible place to be and I'll, be, I'll admit that i have found that place in my career i've been there and you can't get out quite often it's very difficult and you talk about you know get getting yourself out of it owning it um you know turning to empathy as a way to find a happier life but sometimes you get so low uh that, and so despondent and you can't see the way out so what mm-hmm. how how does all this work how could a how could somebody get out of that space how can they find a happier life using empathy which is i think in essence what you're you're talking about yeah and and that was really you know it's the second irony in the title you know the main titles mean people suck which is ironic in that um the answer to solving that problem and Mm -hmm. and feeling unhappy is to really start to focus um on taking accountability for yourself the second step is the is the path out of that place that dark place we've all been and that is focusing on others. So it's counterintuitive because we think, how do I make myself happy? Well, I, it, you know, how is the answer about other people? Well, and that really is the answer. It is <laughs> happiness, <laughs> happiness is a choice. And empathy means you know, looking outside of yourself and thinking, you know, how can I help my colleagues to be successful in, with their objectives? How can I help my spouse to be successful with what he or she's trying to accomplish in life? How can I help yeah. my kids be successful? How can I help my boss be successful even? But what, what I found in my research was that it's, it's that taking that step of, of acceptance and accountability starts generally with looking outside of yourself and trying to figure out how can I help other people? Mm. And the ones that do that are the ones that find the most meaning and the most impact and the most satisfaction in their own careers. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I was talking to someone the other day about that, actually. I can't remember what they said, but it, you know, if you go out giving with an expectation, you know, nothing comes back. And it's not about that. It's turning, turning that mindset off and actually just enjoying the adventure, looking outward, supporting, helping, and how you can help others. And then that attracts good good stuff it attracts good things to you scary though scary mm-hmm. isn't it i mean when i left sap four years ago i was a bit i was terrified i mm-hmm. just thought how on earth is this going to happen and quite often it's just about you know shutting your eyes and going for it isn't it and not thinking too much i think sometimes we think too much and that stops us so but anyway mm-hmm. right so one final thing i want to ask you <clears throat> and also well actually two things i don't for one Michael, I don't know. You've got four kids and an amazing <laughs> wife. Your family, honestly, is just incredible. I don't know how you have time to write not one, three books and run a business. I t- you know, I'm having a hard time as it is. I've only got three kids and running one business and I've written no book. So <laughs> how do you do it? <laughs> well, you asked that question, Sarah, with, with uh, I think, a lot of humility, but you're doing the same thing. You've You've got uh, uh, you know, a spouse with a great job and you've got three kids and you're launching your book, The Social CEO, here shortly um, yeah. and, and, and building an amazing business and employing some, some you know, great people. So you're doing the same thing. And I think, 
I think you're doing it from the same place that I am. It's it, I started with a desire to help people and to share what I learned. And, um, you know, part of it was to get out of the corporate, uh, you know, um, bureaucracies that we were living in. Um, but, but mainly it was to, to help people. I, I felt that I could have a greater impact. Um, you know, talk about tribal impact. I thought I could have a greater impact out on, out on my own. And, and that's what, that's what drives me. I'm, I'm grateful that I get to do it every day. Some days I want to cry in my coffee, but, yeah. but you know, <laughs> the world can beat, the world can beat you down. But what gets me back up is just that, that, you know, focus on, um, you know, it's kind of like servant leadership, I guess, is, is really yeah. um, something I really believe in. And that's, that's what uh, keeps me going. It's motivating, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think when you can, um, yeah, I think you're probably right, actually. Mm -hmm. And if you enjoy it, if you find your passion, then it doesn't feel like work. And I That's think right. that, so coming to that point, actually, because that leads me into my last question. Um, so literally today, a book landed on my desk, which I've written the first chapter for, uh, which is all very exciting, but it's all about CEOs and leaders and how they can help support a social culture change within their organization, which kind of ties into, I think, helping employees. It, this is not running, This, you know, when you want to try and help your employees find their purpose and, and what motivates them, it's not just a tick box, we've done the employee engagement survey. Mm -hmm. So what, what can leaders do when it comes to supporting their employees to, to get engaged with their role more and, and to find the happiness and to discover the empathy? What, what, can, what role can leaders and CEOs do in this whole shift? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, what, one of the things I think is really important is that uh, I think any level uh, employee can make, can start to spark the change in culture that we need. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to be the CEO to spark no. the culture change. And I, I tell a couple of stories in the book about that. But if the CEO gets it, it can really be impactful. And, you know, Bill, Bill McDermott at SAP talks about empathy now. I just saw an article yesterday that Alicia Tillman, the CMO at SAP, is talking about the importance of empathy, not just in marketing, but in, in their company cultures. Mm -hmm. Satya Nadella at Microsoft talks about how empathy not only changed his life, but helped to transform Microsoft. And, and so when, it, when, it, when the empathy comes from the CEO, it can have dramatic changes and transformations inside companies. Um, one of the tips that I always used as a manager myself was just, you know, I felt that um, I, didn't, I didn't have formal one-on-ones with, you know, one-on-one -on -one meetings with my, my employees. Mm -hmm. um, but I did do, you know, what I called informal check-ins. And my informal check-ins were simple. It was, um, how are you? Um, how am I? In other words, how am I doing as a supportive manager for you? And what can I do to help? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that, um, that CEOs could, could answer those or ask those questions of their teams and their employees yeah. um, as well. And I think that can really start to, to stem this tide that we're seeing um, of, you know, of employee engagement. Mm -hmm. it, uh, I, 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 I talk, one of the most in, impactful books in my career um, was something called The Service Profit Chain. And it, it's so intuitive. It, it was published in 1997 um, after a Harvard Business Review article of the same name. And it really just talked about how the most successful companies create happy employees who serve customers in a way that those customers want to spend more money and stay longer. And so um, it makes sense, right? It's completely logical, but how many CEOs think of it as their job to make their employees happy and engaged yeah. so that those happy and engaged employees make happy and engaged customers who stay and spend more. Like it's yeah. totally intuitive and yet so, you know, so rare in our world. Today. Yes, so so far that's what CEOs need to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Now, there was another uh, HBR article just recently, actually, about the link between the employee experience and the customer experience, and, and which is exactly the same sort of thing that you're saying here. You know, and it's stre- if you sort the employee experience out, the, the customer experience will take itself, take it, you know, take ownership of itself. And you know, if you help that bit, it'll help the other bit. But too often, do we focus on the customer experience at, at the detriment of the employee? And um, so, what else you said there about leaders as well? People think leaders are people that um, have, you know, employees, have a, have a reporting line, a hierarchy, a team. But too often it doesn't have to be like that anymore. And I felt like that as a team of one. When at SAP we started this social change, it was just clusters of people who have passion for things that kind of grouped together and followed. And then you form communities, don't you? And then you start a wave of change. And mm-hmm. it just happens naturally. And leadership becomes not a job title. It becomes a... I don't know, a community role. I don't know. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's why I really like the term employee activation and, and, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I talk about marketing starting to have a conversation with the head of HR and with CEOs and the head of sales to, to start to talk about how to define and create a culture that allows the passion and expertise of employees to just flow naturally outside of the company and, and to be quote unquote activated and, um, I think you heard me tell the story of Jason Miller and how I think he did a great job of doing that at LinkedIn before yeah. he got promoted. Now he's he's back at the mothership with Microsoft, but uh, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's a, he's he's a, a, a expat uh, U.S. American guy living there in London, um, and and just having a great great you know he did the same at LinkedIn by asking how can I what can, what's in it for the for the rest of my team in order to start participating in what we're doing here yeah. at LinkedIn and. And, uh, you know, Marketo, uh, there's a similar story at Marketo. Steve Lucas, our, our former colleague from SAP, when he got to Marketo, one of his first uh, initiatives was to start to build an employee activation platform called Marketo Life. And, and so there's a couple of examples I talk about in the book. And, but the point is that any company can do it. It's just we have to start thinking about how do I take the passions and expertise inside of our organizations and let them nurture and flow out to the world. And, and that starts to build the brand that we want to build. It starts to connect with the buyers that we want to connect with. It starts to build the communities that you mentioned. Yeah. And you start attracting talent to your organization mm-hmm. in a much more cost-effective exactly. way. So brilliant. Michael, honestly, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I just hang off every word. I say this to everyone. The, these are all about chatting to people that I just that totally inspire me and I admire. And um, I really appreciate your time today having a chat with us on this. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's cool. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. Thanks so much. That was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found it insightful, it would be awesome if you could leave us a rating on the Apple podcast or if you could share the podcast with one of your friends or colleagues.